This morning we continue in our series on heroes. And we had a, an incredible service last week with our U40 group. Um, this place was packed out. The Egyptian community is hitting on all cylinders, folks. Let's go. We got we to gotta meet up with them. We're a we're little, uh, little light in the loafers this morning. I hope you're ready to be filled with the power of Christ if you are not already. Uh, as Jay effectively mentioned, we're speaking about power. You can take out your sermon notes if you so choose. Turn in your scriptures to John 15. That's going to be our base. We will end in Hebrews 11. And as we do so, we're in a series called Heroes. And most of it is based in Hebrews 11. We are going to be in approximately 12 to 14 scriptures today. So most of those are going to be up on the screen so you can make reference because I'm going to move through them quickly. This is a challenge. This concept of power, when, when the Lord led me to do this series, He did so on two levels. One is kind of an outreach uh, opportunity for you to bring individuals that's connected to our, our BUILD program this summer. You're going to hear about that right after the sermon. That there is a series going on that culturally our, our society uh, can, can take some things that have been put out that the society has rallied around, some of society, to the tune of $2.5 billion for one movie. And so I thought I would try to capitalize on that idea by coinciding this idea of the whole Avengers heroes idea and looking into Hebrews 11 at real biblical heroes. You see, we need a hero, don't we? We need a hero, and there's always the antagonist, and there's always the protagonist. It is the tension in life. And so many of you could care less about the Avengers and this silly little prop right here. But some of you are very, like, way over the top attached to these things. And we'll, we can have counseling later. Uh, also, we have our children in with us uh, this summer, so that's part of one of the reasons I thought it'd make it a little bit exciting. Um, so, uh, it's Jazzy's birthday this, this morning, so we're very excited about that. Jazz, should I, should I activate the gauntlet? Should I push the button? Which, one, which stone should I push? That one there? Uh, are you sure we're all going to be okay? Okay. Whew, we're still here. That's good. That's a good thing. Well, many of us don't have a clue what I'm talking about, so I thought what I would do is show you as we move through these stones that are part of this story that is completely fictitious but borrows, truly borrows from the concepts of Scripture. Because whether mankind wants to admit it or not, they need a hero. Whether mankind admits it or not, that which is morally good is that which wins the day ultimately, and that which is nefarious is always seen as evil. It's just the choice as to what you will do with that. And that's why this series of films has done so well, is because it takes those concepts 
and it puts it into a make-believe world of superheroes. Now, when we're talking about power today, if I were to contrast some of these comic book heroes, I would tell you there's a huge difference between Superman and Batman. And I saw something recently that was pretty funny where Batman gets called out by basically saying, uh, and exactly what are your powers? And he says what? I'm rich. He's got no power. Batman has no power. He just has toys. And so some of us walk around that way. We think we've got power because we've purchased toys. Let me show you a little clip from the movie. And in case we're wondering, uh, it, it may get deleted by the, the stream for a minute, uh, but we do have a license to show this. So I want you to see, this was from the Infinity Gauntlet, and this is the antagonist, Thanos, and he's being, uh, uh, he's being um, tried to rein in by all the event, or half the Avengers, and he invokes the Power Stone, and you can just see what we're talking about. Let's go ahead and roll that. Yeah, that didn't go so good. With that one stone, he was able to take an entire moon, destroy it, and throw it down on people. Do you ever wish you had that kind of power? I mean, not to do that. Of course, none of you would ever do that. Uh, but, mm, I don't know. Turn in your scriptures. We're going to start in Genesis 3, 1-7. through So the title of the sermon today is Power Hungry. Now, you may have a different title that, that is what I started with, which is you will receive power. We're going to get to that. But I want you to start with this idea of power hungry. And, and there's this great comment by one of the superheroes in this Avengers story where the tensions are running high and things are difficult and it looks... The, the Iron Man has seen this antagonist, Thanos, and he says... We're not going to make it. We're not going to do this. We're not going to... How do you expect it? And Captain America very calmly says, we'll do it together. We'll do it together. I want you to hold on to that concept because truly that's the thread of truth you're going to hear and the one that is truly the power of today's message straight out of John 15. We'll do it together because many of us brothers and sisters were running alone. We're running out ahead of God or behind God or without God. Let me pray over the sermon this morning. Father, give us an understanding. Let this Word be incredibly powerful. Let it lead us. Let it change us. Let it minister to us. Speak beyond my abilities, Lord, as we move through what You have for us today. Equip us to Your glory. Amen. Well, this morning as we look at this idea, the power stone 
And what would you do if you had something like, well, you do. If you understand Scripture correctly, if you understand Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit and their economy, if you understand the promises given to you, remember Jesus' words, greater things you will see. Faith, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, you can what? Move Hmm. Hmm. Now, if you compare Everest with the moon of Titan, I think it's an equal... So when we're looking at this idea that the world came up with, with forming this, this all-powerful gauntlet where you could rein in all these different abilities, the fascinating part of that is every single part of this manufactured concept speaks to the sovereignty of who God is. You have much more than the infinity gauntlet if you know God. If you walk with Christ, you have so much more. Amen? Amen. So let's look at this idea of power because it's a tenuous shuffle. Sometimes we can become power hungry. There's a great quote here by Lincoln, nearly all men can stand adversity. But if you want to test a man's character, give him power. When we speak of power, we have to start with this idea of the power struggle. And that leads us to the Genesis 3 account. When we think about the very beginnings of what God had set up and designed, He had instructed Adam and Eve, what? You can eat of anything. You can have it all except one thing. And here we walk into the story in Genesis 3 of the fall account and Satan taking the form of the serpent shows up and has this little convincing conversation with Eve. What is at stake? A power struggle. At the very beginnings, with the very first issuance in and choice by mankind that created the fall, it all had to do with a power struggle. This is why power is so dangerous. First of all, who's, who's struggling? Satan and God. We know about that struggle. But Satan then used doubt and twisted words to what? To entice Eve and to entice Adam. And what does he say? He says, for God knows when you eat of it, your eyes will be what? Opened. What will that give you? Power. And what's the promise that he says? And you will be like what? God. You see the power struggle? Brothers and sisters, why can't we let God be God? He's pretty good at it. Amen? Yeah, that's an amen one right there. Right? So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to... What? Give one power. What did she do? She ate. The beginnings of evil was a power struggle. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. This is our struggle and everything. This is where I want to have a little dialogue with you. In what ways do you see the issue of power being a challenge or a struggle in our society today. Just blurt some things out. Does anybody care about World Cup, Women's World Cup? Anybody recording it? Megan, did you record it? Of course. Do you know what happened? Yes. 
Okay, so does anybody not know what happened? I don't want to spoil it. And, and you want, okay, so I'm just going to be quiet. I'm going to be quiet for you. I love you, Becky. And I don't want to ruin things for you. See, there's a power struggle because I really want to tell you guys what happened. But Becky's like, no, don't, don't, don't. Right? See, when you get on teams, if you're a Warriors fan, you understand what a power struggle is, don't you? What else? Politics. Politics. What else? Distribution of wealth. What? Abortion. So I'm sitting up here having a struggle, Ruth, because I'm, I'm on the board of options for women, and this idea came to me probably three months ago. And it's perfect. It's a perfect understanding of how nefarious power can be. But I was wondering, am I, am I too in deep on this subject, right? Is, is it too personal to me that I'm going to take my agenda to you and I'm going to try No, because Ruth said it, I'm now going to speak to it. I truly believe the whole challenge of abortion has everything to do with power. Let me help you see this. And maybe it'll help you have a little bit more compassion on either end. You see, if you really listen to what individuals are fighting for, for the right to choose. I often tell people I'm pro-choice. You know why I'm pro-choice? Now that's a mind bender, right? I'm on the board of an active ministry for um, serving women who find themselves into a unwanted pregnancy. I'm pro-choice because God's pro-choice. Not when it comes to abortion, necessarily. He's pro-choice on everything. You know why? Because he gave Eve free will. Therefore, God is what? God is pro-choice. Now, did God give us the opportunity to learn and to see and, and to know his good will and intent for life? Yes. The reason I say I'm pro-choice is that he gives us all the choice to make a decision. If you have found yourself in the position of being pregnant, and that was a choice. We can't get away from that. That was a choice. What happened as a result of the sexual revolution is that we don't want any of the responsibility that goes with the choice. Okay? Now follow me on this then the issue is, is that this woman's life is completely interrupted. It stops. Every dream, every focus, if it's an unwanted pregnancy, every dream, every focus stops. And her what is taken away? Her power. Her power. And so when you see so many marching on the streets and being activists and speaking so passionately about this, do you understand all the dialogue that goes into this? How does that fit with the idea of power? Here's another, and by the way, this is just my philosophy on this, but it's based off observation and conversations. I would go as far as talking about the men who are pro-choice. Women, if you haven't figured it out by now, men are dogs. 
They're just dogs. And there is a natural part of us that is wired that way. So who does it benefit? What guy does it benefit if you take away the ability for him to drop his girl off at the abortion clinic and have it taken care of so that his power is not taken away? Am I lying? Do you see how just in this subject, power comes into play? Marriages, divorce, children, economy, politics, wars, over and over and over. I just finished a book that talked about uh, the Spanish-American War and all things that were going on just prior to Teddy Roosevelt and during Teddy Roosevelt's campaign and, and the war. It wasn't even really a war, but the war that happened down in the Philippines and what was presented was a humanitarian focus, but millions of Filipinos were killed by Americans. Are you aware of that? And when the truth comes out, it was because of power. There was an agenda there that nobody really knew about. It's all because of power. And when you think about the history of mankind, we see it over and over and over, do we not? So we're talking about a huge issue when we're talking about power struggle and how does that work in my own life? How does that struggle come in when Satan comes in and says, no, no, did God really say this? And then we get convinced to follow a different way because we want to be God. There's a power struggle. Genesis 50, 20-21, As for you, you meant it for evil against me, but God meant it for good. There's a power struggle between Joseph and his brothers, right? And there was a jealousy because the brothers hated their little brother who was preferred by dad. So what do they do? They beat him up, they throw him in a pit, and then they sell him. Funny how God arranges all things to come back around, and now who is in power? Little brother. And these brothers come before their, their little brother, realize who it is, and they realize they're probably what? They're probably tomorrow's sacrifice. Right? And yet, what does Joseph say? So do not fear, I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly. There could have been an immense power struggle there because Joseph held all the power now. And yet you see someone act honorably in the midst of a power struggle. John 19, 9-11. This is a fascinating idea. It's, it's this phrase, see, I, I, I have this statement, the power struggle, it's the inevitability of the struggle. Right? How many of you last night wanted to go see a movie? Or you wanted to watch a movie with someone in the family and, and you've gone through that struggle? Let's, let's watch... Finally, my wife and I, we, we were sitting down about 10.30, I think two weeks ago. The kids are all moved out. The dog does his own thing. There's nothing to do. And uh, we want to fall asleep in front of the TV. So we just, you know, you know how that goes. You can't find anything. So I said, all right, we're going to go the fourth movie over. And whatever it is, we're just watching it. <laughs> that was the worst decision ever. <laughs> I lost all my power on movie selection at that point. I'm not even going to tell you what the movie was. It was just so bad. It doesn't even qualify for like a Tribeca Film Festival issue. But in this situation, Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees and He's in a teaching moment. And they try to trap Him because they think they've got the power. Have you ever had a conversation like that with someone? 
And what does Jesus say? He entered... Oh, I'm sorry, this is a different passage. This is the contrast between Pilate... I'm sorry, when I'm looking up, I'm staring into lights. <laughs> so I've got to get back to my notes. So the issue here is sometimes we think individuals shouldn't have power, and yet God gives them power. God is in control of all power. And sometimes that makes us scratch our heads. Why would that happen? Yet if Christ didn't die on the cross, would we have experienced salvation, eternal life? Yes or no? No. We would not have experienced eternal life. And so therefore, the authority was given to Pilate to do what he didn't want to do because he was forced under pressure because there was a power struggle once again. And you see in the text here, so Pilate said to him, you will not speak to me? Do you not know that I have what? Power. I have authority to release you and authority to crucify you. And what does Jesus respond with? Jesus answered him, you would have no authority or power over me unless at all unless it had been given you from above. Power is a tricky thing. The next point is where I was starting to go is that Jesus was in this dialogue with the Pharisees and they thought they held all the power and they entered into a power struggle with Christ. And what happens here? Mark 12, 24. Jesus said to them, is this not the reason you are what? Wrong. Okay, we're at odds. Right? How many of you have had a nice, copacetic, peaceful conversation with your spouse where it led out with, you're wrong? <laughs> Those are polarizing words, folks. Right? Is this not the reason you are wrong? This is not passive talk. Jesus went for the jugular. Because you what? You know neither the Scriptures nor the what? Power of God. You know, when Jesus talks in these terms, it's something we should look deeper into, we should learn from. How many of you, by a raise of hands, this is an easy one when you're standing where I'm standing right now, how many of you, by raising of your hands, want to be wrong because you don't understand the Scriptures and you deny the power of God? Fantastic. I'm glad we're all in agreement. <laughs> That's called a gimme. So we can see that there, we, our problem is we have a power struggle. Right? Let's move to the second point, a power outage. How many of you have been in power outages before? Yeah, when I was in high school, I loved them because I could always say that's why I was late to school, right? But, but when you become an adult and the power goes out and you're late to work, it doesn't matter. That's money out of your pocket. So Acts 8, 9 through 11 is a fascinating story for those of us that were here for the Acts series the disciples are doing incredible acts of power through the power of the Holy Spirit. And here we have an engagement with an individual who was pretending to be powerful, and maybe he was doing some things according to demonic power. But here's what's fascinating how this is recorded in Scripture. This man's name is Simon. And it says, starting in verse 9, but there was a man named Simon who had previously practiced magic in the city and amazed the people of Samaria. How many of you are amateur magicians? You narcissists. <laughs> magicians are narcissists, right? You ever be a, at like an event or a gathering party and someone goes, oh, pick a card, pick a card. You're like, oh my goodness, not this guy. Not this gal, right? My kids would say that's me. <laughs> so what's fascinating is that the narrative says that the people were what? Amazed. What does that mean Simon had? Power. 
he had power. Now how's the rest of the story go? And by the way, saying that he himself was somebody great, they all what? Paid attention to him from the least to the greatest, saying, this man is the what? Power of God. This man is the power of God that is called great. Now they're not referring to Jehovah, just get that straight. These are the Roman gods. And they paid attention to him because for a long time he amazed them with their magic. Things are going swimmingly for Simon. Lots of great power. But he's going to have a power outage. He's going to end up walking in the dark here. And so the disciples come along and they start laying hands on individuals to give them the power of the Holy Spirit who trust Jesus with their life and give testimony to it. So let's pick up the rest of the story. Then they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Now when Simon saw that the Spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them condolences. He offered them, come on over for lunch. He offered them a class on how to practice the gifts. Of, what did he offer them? Because money is what? Some things never change. We're about to have a power outage, my friends. Because I believe the way this text is written, Simon knew what he was doing was a facade. But what he saw the disciples doing, he was losing the crowd. But interestingly enough, when the crowd got lost, how did the Pharisees react? We're in a power struggle, we're going to kill Jesus. When Simon saw it, he was amazed and it says he believed. He could not deny where real power was coming from. This is a big challenge in our society and maybe within our churches today. We do a lot of things, brothers and sisters, in the name of Christ that has nothing to do with his power. In our personal walks, we do a lot of things as routine or religion that has nothing to do with the power of God. And so we're walking in darkness when we say we're walking in light. And when we actually experience the power of God, it stands in stark contrast. It's noticeable. It's life-changing. And it should bother you if you're walking in darkness. So what happens? Simon says, give me this power also so that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, may your silver perish with you because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. Joe is going to get up here in a little bit and he's going to lead us with worship. Now, what, what guitar do you have today, Joe? The Strat, which is an acoustic or electric guitar? Electric guitar. And so... Are you just going to grab the guitar and walk up and start strumming? No. Why not? So what? You look good. That's all that matters, right? You look good. He, he doesn't know what to say. He's like, well, you're right. I do look good, you know. Uh, it, it would be a little foolish for Joe to play without turning on the amp, wouldn't it? And yet, how many of us walk around without the power of God? But we claim it. We claim it. There would be a stark difference. Now, y'all, have, have the joy of this, Joe. When you get up and start leading worship, watch their faces, because it's fun to watch them when they realize things, you know? When Joe's up here, you're going to be like, oh, I wonder what it would sound like with him not, you know, not with the amp on, and you know, all that. that's going to go through their heads for a little bit. It's foolhardy. 
to walk in darkness because we have a power outage. We need to understand when we have power outages. John 15, this is, I told you we'd get there. This is where I want to get to. And um, let's look at this passage. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. What do we see here when it comes to a power outage? Jesus says, abide in me. Be connected to me. I have plans for you as I can do nothing without the Father and I and the Father are one. The same thing abides or applies to you. Abide with me. What's the consequence if we don't abide with Him daily? Keep reading. He says, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. I want you to, I'm going to get in your heads here for just a second. Not like I'm not already. The next time there's a power outage, I want you to think of this verse. And I want you to transpose it into evaluating your spiritual life. When the evaluation comes, is the Lord pleased because you've been drawing on His power? Or have you been walking around stumbling around in the dark? And you just didn't know it? You just didn't realize it? Brothers and sisters, this is fair warning in this moment. There's a difference between saying that you carry the light of Christ in you and actually living accordingly and abiding in Him. Those who bear much fruit, that's the evidence of the Spirit in you. Those who are not bearing fruit, He's very specific. They'll be pruned, tossed away, and thrown into the what? Into the fire. This is serious when it comes to the idea of power outage. Are we doing this in our own power, or are we doing this according to the power of God? Matthew 14 28 through 31, you know this passage. Jesus gets out of the, or, well, Jesus is out of the boat, but he calls Peter out of the boat with him. And Peter is the only one that gets out of the boat. He goes to the Lord because he's drawing on the Lord and the power of the Lord, and he's actually succeeding in walking on water. But then what does he do? He stops drawing on the power of the Lord and it filling his faith. And he starts looking at his circumstances and he starts to what? It's a beautiful illustration, brothers and sisters, of when we have a power outage. When you're struggling in your spiritual life, most of the time when we struggle spiritually, we don't really do anything about it. We just sit there in the dark. And we say, why is God so unfamiliar to me? God, come. He's saying, get out of the boat. You want a fresh dose of power? You want to feel close to the Lord? you got to take the steps of faith. Here's our hero's idea. Take the steps of faith to experience the almighty power of God. Amen? And you will experience it. Mark 9, 27-29. This is the disciples, and they tried to cast out a demon didn't go so well now what is implied is that they have been able to do this in the past jesus has asked them to do this sent them out two by two 
But in this situation, they fail miserably, and yet Jesus is able to do it. And so they ask the inevitable question, why could we not do this? And what was his response? Fascinating. This kind cannot be driven out by anything. But prayer, we learn several things here. Number one, there are different variances of demonic activity. And Jesus is saying, in this case, this is so severe, you've got to spend a lot of time in prayer. Brothers and sisters, we want to walk in the power of God. We've got to be people of what? Of prayer. And I'm glad you all said that. Let me try that one more time. Brothers and sisters, if we're going to walk in the power of God, we've got to be people of what? Prayer. Prayer. I'm glad you said that. Did you feel like that was Groundhog Day right there? (laughs) Because right after service, we have our 15 on 15 prayer time. And all families, all ages are welcome. 15 minutes of prayer. 15 minutes after the service ends. And it's so crucial in contrast to all the things the Lord is doing. If this church wants to walk in the power of God, we will be a church who walks in the power of prayer. Amen? Let's go to the third point today. Numa power. Numa power. Sounds like some San Francisco, Berkeley kind of weird thing. No, Numa just means air. I need a... I need a volunteer that's under the age of 14. All right, Aries, come on up here. Let's give a big hand to Aries. So you, you feel those lights up there? Don't look at them. My goodness, you'll go blind. I'm, Pastor Jeremy's wearing a coat, which is just an insane thing, but I wore it just for this thing. I'm like a sweaty mess under here. You don't want to know anything. Be, I'm just going to keep this on, but yeah, kind of gross, right? Maybe you could help me out. I need some air conditioning. Pneuma means air, which is kind of where we get spirit, the Holy Spirit. So Pastor Jeremy needs a fresh infusion. I need some Pneuma power. Um, Can you grab that blower back there? Yep, that one right down there. And uh, all I want you to do, buddy, is just hit me up. Cool me down. Let's go. The trigger is, yeah, that's the trigger. What's the problem? Hit the trigger. It's not working? working? So, is it powerless? Oh, hang on just a second. (laughs) Ha 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 ha! You know, Aries, this is a teaching moment. So, Aries, a lot of believers like to think they know the Holy Spirit, and they walk around with the Bible, and they say that they know Jesus and all that, but they they don't have the power. You know, when you have the, when you know what you're doing. Thank you. <laughs> kind of feel like Mark 9 now, where you don't understand this, the instruction manual. Uh, you know, when you have the power, then you got, you got Numa power. Now, let's see if you can, uh, if you can. <laughs> Little back there. Oh, whew. That's good. Do you like that? Yeah, that was loud. Okay, thank you. Give a hand to Aries. Get out of here. Get out of here. Oh my goodness. That actually felt really good. Thank you, Aries. Because <laughs> I am a little, a little warm here. You get the point, I hope. We say we know the Spirit, but we're not walking in the Spirit. 
And I want you to get that visual and I want you to hang on to it. Because it is a powerful illustration. Are we trying to walk in our own flesh, and we're going to have the passage here in just a minute, or are we trying to walk according to the Spirit? Acts 1, 7-8, through 8, He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by His authority, but you will receive what? Power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be My witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This happens as you go forward one chapter in Acts 2. You see the Holy Spirit come on in a very unique way upon the disciples, and you see the greatest revival ever recorded in Scripture, maybe in history. Because of the power of the Holy Spirit. As you look through the book of Acts and watching the first century church explode, you see the power of the Spirit over and over and over. Now what's challenging, brothers and sisters, is today we have churches that polarize in a power struggle because they have different views of is this of the Holy Spirit, is this not of the Holy Spirit? There are reasons to ask those questions. Because there are many who walk around saying, in the Spirit, I'm doing... And they're not doing that. They're like Simon. But there are many who want to point their fingers like the Pharisees and say, that has nothing to do with the Spirit. And they're wrong. Therefore, denying the power of the Holy Spirit, which is a very dangerous thing to do. Can I encourage you to stay out of that power struggle? For you and I, our, our choice here is to seek the power of the Holy Spirit. Numa power. Don't be spiritual. That's a big popular title these days. I'm a spiritual person. We had a great, great 4th of July and we went down to the Concord 4th of July parade at Toto Santos. First time I ever did it. It was kind of really cool. And they had this Rosie the Riveter. Um, did anybody see the Rosie the Riveters at the Concord? Yay, thank you. Because I was feeling a little alone here. Um, and after they got done, we were sitting in front of Spaghetti Factory and they walked by us and and we clapped for them, and just a tremendous thing. And, and um, individuals that were in their late 80s, early 90s, and as we're sitting there, one of these gals came out, her name was Mary, came out and walked past my family, and with each one just bent over and very kindly asked, are you a person of faith? And handed a hand-crocheted cross. And who's going to yell at Rosie the Riveter? <laughs> But I'll guarantee you, she was led by the Spirit to do what she was doing. She was led, that was pneuma power. That wasn't being spiritual. She was Spirit-led. Romans 8, 11, If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. When we start talking about true power, there is no greater power than to resurrect someone from the dead. Amen? To pull them from the pit of death and give them eternal life. And the promise to you and I is that that same Spirit of God that raised Christ from the dead will raise us if we claim Jesus Christ in faith as our Lord and Savior. Amen? Amen. That is the power that you and I have available. 
And if we walk according to the Spirit, as Romans 8 gives us better definition and focus, I encourage you to read more and more of that. Our lives are very, very powerful because we're partnering with Him. We're pulling with Him. Let's look at some other Scripture here. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the what? The same Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12, 4-6. through <clears throat> And there are a variety of service, but the same Lord. And there are a variety of activities, but it is the same God who what? Empowers them all in everyone. Brothers and sisters, as you serve the Lord, it says that a promise is that the Spirit of God desires to give you unique gifting and to work through you. I often have people scoff and laugh at me just for fun, but sometimes it, it's applied in, in the sense that I, I am what is known as an extreme introvert. <laughs> that's, yep, that's you just, that was live. That was live. Let me share with you. My wife would tell you why you can... You put me through any of those tests that's out there, it'll come up the same every time. I'm an extreme introvert. And so how on earth can I be standing before you doing this? The only way I am driven, and it is a joy for me every time I have opportunity to preach is because the Spirit of God puts that drive in me. Now, sometimes I get in there and mess up the message, all right, unfortunately. But hopefully in the midst of it, you'll hear. And so you have that same promise. Separate out. What is it that I'm doing that just comes naturally? I can do. But what is it that God wants me to do? I'm going to have to lean on Him. This is what it means to walk in a, in a partnership of power with God. It will revolutionize your spiritual walk. I'm going to wrap up. Those are really good verses. I, I can't do this. I can't, I can't skip this. And what more? We're in Hebrews 11 now. And what more shall I say? Which is a great way to wrap up a sermon. For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. You know the stories. You know the stories. These are the heroes. Did they do this on their own? Did they do it in their own power? Every single one of these things listed, God manifested His power through a simple individual so that God was glorified. This is what it means to pull together. Let me run you through some quick things. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of what? Of power and love and self-control. Brothers and sisters, when it comes to walking in a Spirit-filled way, in a Spirit-filled life, if there are moments where you have fear, understand that doesn't have to do with the Spirit of God. And that is a surefire indicator that you need to draw upon the power of the Spirit of God and the power of the Lord and the power of the Scriptures to lead you in paths of righteousness and to engage in what He has for you. Amen? Fan into flame that thing that God desires for you to be partaking with Him. And you will no longer be spiritually dead. 
Just some quick thoughts. Heroes have power and do powerful things. Not Batman. We had a great sermon series up at uh, our all-church retreat, and Amir, uh, Brother Amir, led the Egyptian community, and we both spoke for um, a period of time on Sunday, and he told a great story and talked about the idea that, you know, big moments done in the power of God don't have to be big requirements. They can be simple things. But matched with the power of God can change lives. Don't look to do the huge, grandiose step and therefore be convinced, I can't do that, that's not me. It's listening to the Spirit and taking that one step, whatever it is that the Spirit is leading you, and leaving the results to Him. Let Him magnify His power. And I'm going to give you an illustration of that. They don't do them alone. We don't do acts of power alone. We do them with the Lord. We pull together. This morning, it's my privilege to nominate into the pantheon of CBC heroes, Rachel Bedros. Rachel's not even here. Uh, I might have to retract it. I think she's ditching. She's probably over nursery. Um, many of you may think, and, and I have this picture, I'm, I'm cleared for this picture, right, Laura? Thank, thank you, Lord, because I made that mistake once. Um, many of you might think my affinity for uh, adoption, and we have multiple families here that have gone through that process and come alongside the needs of a child, and, and Dave and Rachel obviously have done that. That's not why she was nominated. There are those events in life Going back to the beginning of the sermon, remember Abraham Lincoln's quote. Put a man into a crisis and then you'll find out where their power is. The reason Rachel Bedros is a hero in my book is because she simply listened to the Holy Spirit in a moment and made a decision that wasn't a tough decision. Really didn't cost her much kind of even seemed natural. But it was the Spirit that told her what to do. Had she not listened, my family narrowly averted disaster. My wife and I were 2,600 miles away. You'll never know the power of God until you feel that helpless. Had the Spirit not spoken to Rachel, I would not be standing here today. It doesn't require a lot. It just requires wanting to partner and listen and walk. Now I need you all to raise your right hand and I have to swear you to secrecy and not to go ask Rachel Bedros, what happened? <laughs> I'm serious. You just need to know that the Lord used her in a mighty way. 
Therefore, she's been nominated. She gets to wear the glove. I think everybody who's nominated gets to wear the glove or something. Let me close in prayer. And then we have a ministry moment for you. And um, just, I hope that you glean something from what we just talked about. The moments in my life where I've experienced the power of God have not come because of some grandiose scheme. They've come in the small moments. They've come in moments of steps of faith. They've come in moments where there was tension. They've come in moments because I was pursuing in faithfulness. And it was simple steps. But it was a desire to partner with God and not do it on my own. Not to walk around in a power outage. Not to have a power struggle. But to have spiritual power and to be powered up. This is what it means to be a child of God. Let me pray. Father, thank You for the blessedness of the way that You work in our lives and the way that You change lives. The way that You have the power that goes beyond anything we can do, anything we can say or acknowledge. Father, I praise You that we have every opportunity You close the door to no one. You say seek and you will find. Ask and it will be given to you. Let each of us consider how are we walking? Are we walking because we sense we're spiritual people or are we walking because we're Spirit-led people? Let us truly learn or continue to walk in the power of God. Thank You, Father. Amen.